Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about new research that shows why you might enjoy watching TV more if you put your phone away. You'll also hear from Zach Wienersmith, the cartoonist behind the popular geek webcomic Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial, who joins us to help you learn about space elevators. Let's elevate some curiosity. New research suggests that when you're watching TV, you should get off your phone. Whether you're watching the Oscars, The Bachelorette, or your favorite sporting event, like WWE Monday Night Raw. Am I the only one? Yep. Okay. Pulling up social media and live tweeting can be addictive and immersive. But according to this new study from University of Connecticut, live tweeting might be a little too immersive. More than half of 18 to 24-year-olds engage in social media for discussion while they watch television. And this research shows that they're probably having less fun than they would without their second screens. And I've done this a lot, so I can relate. What we're doing is called media multitasking. That's when you're doing two things at the same time, and one involves media use. Lots of research has shown that when you multitask with multiple screens, you split your attention. So you can't really focus on either thing you're doing. That's why texting in the classroom means less learning. But instead of focusing on how you concentrate while you're media multitasking, this study looked at how it impacted how you enjoy your media content. Specifically, the study relied on a concept called transportation theory. Here, transportation is basically that feeling you get when you read a good book or watch a particularly scary show or work on a fascinating project. And it feels like time flies. You're immersed in an activity so completely that you don't realize other things are happening around you. This study invited groups of five to eight students to watch an episode of Friends together in a room. And some just watched the show while the others live tweeted with others. And even though all of their tweets were about the show, participants who tweeted experienced lower transportation, fewer positive and social emotions, and lower levels of enjoyment than those who simply watched the show without Twitter. Now, researchers do think it's possible to experience more enjoyment for people who perceive advantages to live tweeting, like connecting with others or just staving off boredom. They suggest performing future studies that get closer to mimicking everyday life rather than using a lab setting to delve deeper into this question. But why even try to multitask if it's less effective and less enjoyable? The next time you sit down to watch a favorite show, try putting your phone away. Let the show transport you, and you may find you like it even better than you did before. What do you have to lose? Have you ever had that experience where you're watching a show and you start tweeting or using your phone, and then you're like, this show sucks. (laughs) And like, you totally know that it's just because you haven't been paying attention to it. See, and that's why I only live tweet during shows that I know will suck. (laughs) Like what? Like bad wrestling matches. Yeah, I'd probably tweet during that, too. You would tweet during good wrestling matches, too. Yeah. We're not the same. (laughs) When it comes to space exploration, the biggest challenge may not be technology. It may be economics. And that's according to our guest today, Zach Wienersmith. He's the cartoonist behind the popular geek webcomic Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial and co-author of the new book, Soonish, 10 Emerging Technologies That Will Improve and or Ruin Everything. All super funny stuff. So today, we thought we'd let Zach share his take on what's holding us back from exploring the stars. There's this idea that there was this dream in the 60s and 70s that we would have these huge space settlements and that, well, it didn't happen. And the reason it didn't happen is something like we gave up on our dreams. 
Well, it turns out our dreams cost about 4% of the U.S. budget in the 60s. Uh, the problem with going to space is not really one of technology, although technology doesn't hurt. It's about money. It's about economics. So if you look at a rocket sitting on the launch pad about to go, it is 80% propellant. 80%. Four-fifths is propellant. And then another 17% or so is the actual rocket itself. Both of those things are discarded. About 3% of what you're looking at is stuff that actually goes to space. So the result of that is it's incredibly expensive. We calculated it costs about 10 bucks to put an apple seed into orbit. Uh, <laughs> So we have a chapter on ways you might bring that cost down drastically to make space a little more open to, you know, mere millionaires or perhaps even people who are just, you know, uh, somewhat regular people. So we, we go down the line. There's a lot of exotic stuff we get into in the chapter, like space elevators and, and, and blasting rockets with lasers to deliver more energy. And this one thing called the POGO method, uh, where you sort of bounce the rocket before it goes up. But the most plausible one is something SpaceX is already doing in one form, which is reusing the rockets, because the fuel itself is actually a minor expense. The expensive thing is that you destroy the machine, uh, which you can, you know, we, we like to say if you, if you wanted to fly to like London on a plane, but well, imagine you had to jump out of the plane over London and land with a parachute and then the plane explodes. <laughs> it would be really expensive to get a ticket. Uh, and it wouldn't let you take much luggage either. Uh, that's basically what most rockets do. So hence reusable rockets, a good way to do things. One way we might be able to make it a little cheaper to get to space is by using space elevators. We've mentioned them on this podcast before, but we wanted to know what Zach thinks about the idea after working on this book. Here's what he told us. So uh, for, for, for your listeners, a space elevator, if you want to visualize it, imagine there's a cable that runs from probably somewhere in the ocean, 60,000 miles, that's about 100,000 kilometers, to a counterweight, uh, which for physics reasons keeps the whole thing in geosynchronous orbit, basically just meaning that the cable doesn't wrap around the planet because uh, that would be embarrassing. Um, and then what you do is you just climb the cable with a little climber. And the reason you do that is that, as I said earlier, the rocket is 80% fuel. And if you want to think about why, imagine you had to take a road trip from like Alaska to Florida and you had to start with all the fuel you were ever going to use on that trip. You couldn't stop at a gas station. Well, if you start thinking that, you realize pretty quickly you need to take an enormous amount of fuel compared to how much, you know, machine you're bringing or how much luggage you get to bring with you. You're almost entirely fuel, right? Your, your car is like a little tick on a dog's body uh, of fuel. And that's basically what a rocket is, right? It's mostly fuel. And, and the bummer is most of that fuel goes to lifting more fuel that you're going to use later. Um, so if you think about it, you know, it would be much better if you could just stop at gas stations, of course. But the optimal method would be is a sort of magic pixie could fly by and drop in a drop of gasoline right when you needed it. That way, the energy from that drop of gasoline is going 100% into moving you, your car, your luggage. None of it's going to moving fuel you're going to use later. Uh, so with a space elevator, the reason that climber capsule works really well is that's essentially the method you could use. You could beam power up, and the, you know, you're, you're only using that energy to lift stuff that's going to space. In addition, you know, in principle, it could be much safer. And also, you could actually climb the cable out to a far enough distance that gravity stops being an issue, which makes it much cheaper to get to deep space. Whereas with rockets, the issue is just getting up to a high speed. It's less about height. So why don't we have this? <laughs> well, it turns out the, the middle part, the 100,000 kilometers, is very hard to make. You need a material with a high specific strength, which just means it's very strong in ratio to its uh, weight, uh, right? So you, you can imagine like you want Superman's hair, right? It's got a Hold stuff up, but also not weigh much itself, because otherwise it would pull itself apart. So no conventional material you can think of will work. Uh, flak doesn't even come close. 
one material that's a candidate material is carbon nanotubes, which uh, if you want to visualize, it's a web of, of carbon in a straw. And you can make these straws as long as you want in principle, but to make this work, you need the straw to actually be as long as the whole cable. It needs to be 100,000 kilometers long. And the longest one anyone has ever made is about a foot and a half. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> So we're, we're a little shy right now, and there is no market for incremental improvements uh, that we could find uh, in carbon nanotubes, right? So if you, you imagine a world where you know, your computer maybe gets a little faster every time carbon nanotubes get a little longer. Pretty quickly, there's going to be a lot of money throwing in, thrown into making longer and longer cables. Right now, it, when we put out the book, and as far as I know, there's been no development on this, that foot-and-a-half-long nanotube was developed, I think, in 2013, and I don't think there's been improvement since. Zach also told us that carbon nanotubes are just good enough to work. And usually for structural usage, engineers recommend that you want something that's a little bit better than being exactly good enough to work. But you never know where the technology will take us in the future, right? Again, Zach Wienersmith is the man behind the popular geeky webcomic Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial. And you can dig into space elevators and more in his new book, Soonish, 10 Emerging Technologies That'll Improve and or Ruin Everything. Zach is going to join us again tomorrow when we get into the world of bioprinting. And in the meantime, you can find links to more from Zach in today's show notes. He was a really funny dude. Yeah, I love his comics so much. Let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that while live tweeting is fun, you might enjoy watching something more if you just give it your full attention. And that one of the biggest challenges in space travel is efficiency. And fortunately, scientists are working on ways to make it more sustainable all the time even if we haven't cracked the code yet for making space elevators. Keyword, yet. Yes. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. Stay curious.